welcome to Enlighten Up, the Hilarity podcast with Lizzie Allen and Karina Lauren. We take hard topics, throw them up in the air, and dissolve them with laughter. Each week, we feature a comedian from the Hilarity course, and we discuss topics from their set, from sexual shame to getting older. We tackle it all with humor and heart. Our goal is to awaken the masses, promote love, and increase connection by dissolving shame, all while making you laugh until you pee your pants. So let's enlighten up and get started. Episode 11. Welcome to Enlighten Up with Lizzie Allen and yours truly, Karina Loren. Yep, the hilarity podcast that brings you the hottest comedy straight from the therapy chopping block. We are so excited to be presenting episode 11 here in the comfort of Lizzie Allen's studio. Oh, we're excited. We are we are busting on all cylinders today. We're going to present Michelle. Yep. Who's got some very interesting topics that we will dissect at the end of her set. But before we get into that, let's have an update. Where are you at, Karina? What's going on? Where are you going this summer? Okay, dear listeners, when you're listening to this, it's going to be post-summer. But we're recording this pre-summer, and let me tell you what for. Because Lizzie and I are both about to embark on a summer adventure. So I am going to Chicago, Italy, and then Hornby Island. Oh, my God. And I am going to Hollywood... Phoenix, and then England for a month. Yeah. And guess what? What? I had a reading yesterday, a psychic reading with Deneen. It was off off the cuff. She just offered it up to me after we went for a Thai lunch. She went, come back to my house for a clearing and a reading. And she said to me that when I go to England, I will be having a very spiritual experience of reclaiming those parts of me that I might have left behind so that I can bring them back into my full being and then do life with a full, full, full Lizzie Allen Full stack. I just got chills. (laughs) Chills. Not just arm chills, chills in my arms and legs. Your eyes are watering. No, they're not. Yes, they are. Lies. Don't listen to her. (laughs) I have chills though. So maybe they chilled right up and shook water out of my eyes. I don't know. That is so cool. You have water in your eyes. (laughs) You're so excited and I'm excited for you. I did not have a psychic reading. Wait a minute. Go on. Wait a minute. What? I was going to say, tell me about Chicago. I didn't know you were going to Chicago. Oh, did it just, I, that's what's going on. Cause she has this look where she's kind of like deer in headlights. So I realized. That's what's, okay, I'm going to Chicago for work. So it's what's called the co-working week. I get to meet my entire team. Wow. Yeah, it's just because I'm going to Italy in that same week, it's a very quick, like I fly out Monday. I'm visiting the team Tuesday, Wednesday. I fly back Thursday and then Friday I go to Italy. So it's very whirlwindy. I have not been to Chicago, but I am looking forward to going. I'm very much excited about it. I hear it's a great city. It is. I absolutely, I used to go to Chicago every year for work. And I mean, I'm a huge fan of the movie, The Blues Brothers. I know you're not so much a fan, but 
Chicago is amazing because there's the kind of underground in Chicago and you can't find a bad, bad restaurant if you try. All the food is good. City's great. Lots to see and do. I don't know how much, obviously, I'm only there for like two days. So it's, we're staying in a big Airbnb together. Oh. Yeah. Very intimate for co-workers that I've never met. <laughs> Will you take some reels for us and we'll post them on our new Instagram account? Yeah. How can people find us? We have an Instagram account. Best way, because we have a kind of weird handle, is to go to at Hilarapy on Instagram. Follow us there and you can see there in the comments box, no, the profile, mm. you can see our podcast What's the, what's the Instagram handle? The handle is at enlighten underscore up underscore hilarity underscore podcast. So you went with the shortest version of what you could find. <laughs> well, I asked you to set it up and then I set it up yeah. and immediately got banned. Yeah, I know. Lizzie has, uh, I think actually quite a lot of patience, but then other times has no patience. So it's like, I'm going to do it myself. Well, tech for me it. is a bad one. Like tech <laughs> and me do not, do not. Work. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'll set it up on my time, but that wasn't in good enough time. So, I tell you know, what, kudos to you. You did thank it. Thank you. Yeah. I'll tell it. you what you could do is you could change the handle to something that's better. Yeah. So just go to at Hilarapy and you'll figure out where our podcast is from there. Um, so yeah, by the time, like what I'm so excited about is our very next episode, episode 12, we will be talking about all these adventures like the biggest adventure, never mind Chicago. Okay. Never mind Italy. Italy, I'm going with my husband. I'm really looking forward to that. But let's talk about the fact I'm living with my German, 90 year old German grandma for two months on Hornby Island, which for those that don't know, is a very hippie island. Oh, sounds beautiful. Oh yeah. They don't have like an official like department store or clothing store. So they have the free store. So you can just go to, it's like a thrift shop. Basically my dream come true. It's a thrift shop, but everything's free. Ugh, so I just bring fun. things to donate and then I, you know, pick up some clothes, pick up some books, pick up some tapes, whatever. You got some books from the library the other day. You sent me a oh. picture. What did you get? I got a book on how to do your own PR, which, which I think I talked about last time, but it's called Media Whore. It's, yeah, it's a pretty catchy title. <laughs> Oh, uh, they got me with horror. I stayed for the media. Like, <laughs> <you know? laughs> big pimpin'. Big pimpin'. I'm in. And then I got one about how to make money podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> We're not doing it yet. So obviously, I haven't read the book, but got that. And I got uh, knife skills. Yeah. What are you going to do with that? Well, so I, my family purchased me this knife. Uh, set for Mother's Day last year. And then I proceeded to cut my fingers four times in a row while using them. So I thought maybe if I read a book about proper knife skills. So are you talking about kind of whittling knives? And no, like that? I'm talking about cut, cutting a tomato. Oh. Well, slice my finger. So because oh. for a minute there, I thought you were going to say I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a knife thrower. This is I would my next- love to be a knife thrower. But did I not tell you about the throwing knives that I ordered? immediately gifted them to my stepdad. I was like, I will cut off of a friggin' Wait, hold finger up. with this. You ordered throwing knives. I did. She's <laughs> <laughs> You ordered throwing knives. Yeah. When? Uh last year. 
Last year. Yeah, last year I ordered them and I was so scared. I realized because I had just come fresh off of cutting myself four times in a row with kitchen knives that I was like, maybe me and knives, like, you know, it's not my thing. I'm going to buy some throwing knives. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sounds cool, well, right? It would be cool at a show if we stuck somebody up there and you started throwing knives at them. Oh, yeah. Addictive comedy impales someone with a throwing knife. Well, I don't know what impales means. Does that like take their head off? If you didn't know, addictive comedy is the name of our sketch group. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Have we not talked about that? I don't think so. Yeah. Well, you all should know it. Yeah. It's called addictive comedy. You will know it even more. Things are happening. Things are coming, but we can't announce anything yet. No. We're still in process. That is for us to know and for you to eventually know. Right? Right. Right. Okay. So German grandma, okay, two months. She has a very thick accent. She is a strong woman, very opinionated, love her to pieces. She is not afraid to say it how it is. And I, last time I went there, I had a spider bite, right? Like this is, this is like, what's your problem? I had this huge spider bite and it was expanding. So I said, I was going to go to the the nurse's office there on the island. What's the hell for? What do you need a nurse for? Why do you need a clinic? Put some ice on it, right? But I was like, what if it's infected? Well, I could die, right? My, <laughs> they're going to have to amputate. That's where I'm going with it. Surprise, she, surprise. She like, is a character, your grandma. I remember meeting her for the first time <laughs> on Salt Spring Island, which is where your mother lives, which is another fabulous island in British Columbia. And she had a massive go at me, didn't she? Because yeah. I told her I was doing education because I was on a student visa at the time doing a therapeutic training program. And she launched into me that I was leeching off the government yeah <laughs> that she assumed that i was um not paying for my course which i was and uh yeah she had a massive go at me at the yeah. dinner table no problem saying her opinions yeah. to your face and she couldn't hear anything other than what she was saying could she i was like no i'm paying for it she oh this is ridiculous yeah oh yeah and then when the when harry and Meg, she goes so this is the news now harry and megan Got a black lab. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> I'm like, I mean, she's kind of right. Really. She is right. Who gives a royal F about their dog? So, and then you're going to come back. So next episode, we're going to hear about Lizzie's adventures in Hollywood. The big, the big league. Yep. We're going to hear about your Phoenix psychic, uh, spiritual wholeness. After your trip to England. Yes, that's going to be spiritual. Yeah. And what are you going to Phoenix for? I'm going to do two shows in Phoenix. Oh my God. We've been so talking about Hollywood. I know. That it's like Phoenix is in the shadow of Hollywood. We haven't even discussed Phoenix. I know. I'm going to the desert to do this massive recovery show for this huge recovery community over there to raise money for a women's serenity retreat to help newcomers. Okay. This is massive. I know. And there's such a awesome group of people there. It's just brilliant. So that was only booked last week. So that's why we haven't really talked about it. Ah, yeah. Okay. So this is a lot of things happening. We got the summer of love happening here. We do. Mm -hmm. We do. And yeah. yeah. And just to know that on the next episode, we're going to 
we're going to have some completion around some of those exciting, or we could be dead. You never we know. Could. You never know. So please hug your loved ones. <laughs> <laughs> I like to embrace death every day. Embrace the knowledge that this is not a done deal. We're not permanently here and we could be whipped from our mortal coil at any point. Mm. And to do that allows me to live in that expansive, limitless possibilities of what could be because I'm recognizing that this is just a snapshot of time and I'm just going to embrace it. I'm not going to be afraid of anything. So I always, I did say to my mum when I get on a plane, sometimes I text her and I go, if this is the end, I just want you to know that I love you. <laughs> Last time she went, well, that wasn't a very nice message to get. And I was like, well, I wasn't, she went, that wasn't very funny. And I was like, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm trying to be real because sometimes I am like, I don't know if I will make this flight. Yeah, but I've got a lot of life in me, I think. I think I feel very attached to this form, to this body, because I've got stuff to do. I wonder if people die, the people that die have somehow not got that attachment to their body. I don't know. I don't know, but I do. I kind of like what you said, because I think sometimes people just take things for granted because they're like, uh, you know, I'm whatever age, I'm going to live till I'm 80. So they don't necessarily embrace the things that they want to do, right? Yeah. Whereas it, sometimes it, there's a movie that I absolutely adore called Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium. So he says he's going to die. He's dying and he's leaving this earthly plane. And he, I think he gives like a three-day notice to his employee. He runs this toy store. Absolutely magical movie. Um, and what what they do in the next few days is they do everything that he wants to do. Like they go run on the mattresses, like, you know, at the mattress store, they go, um, play in the park. They go to this toy store and play, like run on the piano. They do all these things that are just like, I want to do this, but it's like, why can't we all live like that every day? Mm-hmm. What do I want to do today? Wake up. It's magical. The, the, the world is magical. There's the so much to do. It's magical. And we're living in so much fear, aren't we? It's yeah. Like projected fear all over the town. Just da, 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 news, tabloids, everything. It's just fear, fear, fear. Everybody be afraid. What's the point of being alive? It's not to be afraid. It's to be full of joy and to love and be of service to one another. Oh my goodness, we're going too deep again. I'm sorry. We just know so much. It's hard not to share our knowledge. (laughs) And that didn't at all come across as a... (laughs) It's just me, guys. Okay, so should we uh, pivot into our comedian, Michelle? Michelle, you beautiful creature, you. Yes, hold on to your hats, folks, because... Please welcome to the stage, Michelle. So I just wanted to thank everybody for being here. I'm actually really nervous about coming out. Not not coming out on stage. I'm really nervous about coming out as queer. <laughs> I generally don't. I usually just stay in the closet. Uh, I actually think it's a little bit more fun to be mysterious that way. Usually the way that it works is I'll be watching a movie with some friends and I'll see a really attractive woman on screen. I'll go, hey, man, she's hot. Oh, I'd hit that so hard. If you could pull me out, you'd be the king of England. And then I let them figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) 
So the thing is, I'm both bisexual and I'm non-monogamous, which means that I'm open to having more than one relationship at a time. And boy, that's a loaded set of things to come out of. <laughs> There's already a stereotype that with bisexual people that we are unable to commit to things, that we're promiscuous. I've heard a lot of judgmental comments. I've actually been judged by traffic infrastructure. I w <laughs> no, this is, this is true. I was on my way to class and I was walking up to an intersection when the pedestrian signal turned itself out. And I thought, oh, that's really interesting. And then I saw the sign on the post. Light will turn on activate, or sorry, light will activate automatically when bicycle detected. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking rude. <laughs> I will admit, though, I am actually really bad thing at committing to anything. That's not anything to do with my sexuality, though. That's just the way I am. I mean, look at me. I can't even commit to knowing what length of hair I want. <laughs> I call this the sideways mole. I got business on this side, party on this side. <laughs> it is nice that Lizzie and Ellen have given us the space to be open and honest with people. I do struggle a lot with that. I got made fun of a lot of as a child for being sensitive. There was a group of boys that bullied me all the time. Uh, I was kind of a chubby, nerdy, awkward, very sensitive child. I know looking at me right now, it's really hard to believe all of those things, <laughs> but it was true. I cried a lot because of this. And my teachers looked at this. They saw how deeply upset that it made me. And they knew exactly where the problem was. So in the end, they didn't really do a lot about this. By the time I was 12, I ended up developing severe depression. And I ended up in a mental institution for youth for about a month. Uh, that was a really hard time in my life. I also cried a lot there, surprise. <laughs> Now, I think I was really fortunate. When I got there, everything was so much different. The people there were trained to really understand children, to really be able to listen with empathy and give us good advice. I'm just kidding. <laughs> they were terrible. <laughs> the, the biggest culmination of this, and kind of why I think I still struggle with being sensitive in front of other people today, I had a case manager who came up to me one night. Remember, I'm 12 years old. She came up to me and she said, Michelle, I notice every night, usually before you go to bed, you've been crying a lot. Maybe tonight you could just try not crying. <laughs> okay, what the fuck? Seriously, what the fuck? Did I, did I do something? Did I kick a puppy in my last life? What have I done to deserve chuckle fucks of this caliber? <laughs> my whole childhood. Why do these people work in these places? If they don't have any people skills, maybe they should do something their speed. Work in a slaughterhouse. <laughs> work in a morgue. Become a cop. You don't need people skills for that. They'll take anybody as long as you can run fast enough. <laughs> so now I'm in my mid-30s. I've had depression for about 24 years, and that is a long, long time to have it. It's actually a little bit weird to think about. If my depression was a person, it would have its driver's license by now. 
it could legally drink in most countries. It could have gone on a flight and not had to have taken off its shoes at airport security. It should be at the point where it should move out and, you know, get a job and get out of my head. But in this economy... <laughs> I'm stuck with it. You know, and if it was a real child, I could at least drop it off with my parents for the weekend. All right, bye, honey. Mommy's going to go drink some margaritas and play the slots now. <laughs> nope, stuck with it. But after 24 years, I will say, I don't really consider myself to be suffering from depression anymore. I'm really good at it. <laughs> you know the 10,000-hour rule? Something about that. <laughs> If depression was an Olympic event, I would definitely be a medalist at it. Women's downhill, expert. <laughs> it has been a wild ride figuring everything out for myself and getting the help that I needed. It's some of the people I've seen have been absolutely outrageous. There's one more story I wanted to tell about that uh, regarding a therapist that I saw. Now, therapy is great. I would recommend everyone goes to therapy. But if your therapist is totally crazy, don't be afraid to walk away. <laughs> and this might happen. I was telling one of my therapists kind of my personal stories and some of the things that I've been through. And after this, this very, very long explanation, you know, basically reading her my memoirs, she said, you know, Michelle, I'm very impressed with the level of resiliency that you've developed. After everything that you've been through, I'm impressed that you're not dead. <laughs> Thank you? It, was, was that meant to be a compliment? Should I be celebrating this? I've decided ultimately what I need to do is go to Dairy Queen, get an ice cream cake, and get them to write something on it like, not dead suicide, gotta celebrate those wins. <laughs> Thank you so much. Michelle, Michelle. All right, Michelle. Bravo, Michelle. Another brave set coming out and just laying it all out, leaving it all out there. What do they say in sports? Like, won't you go out there and I want you to leave it all on the field. Yeah, she just definitely did that. She just came out and she just told us everything. Mm -hmm. Yep. I mean, it was brutal by the sounds of it. You know, growing up feeling, you know, awkward, being bullied. Oh my God. The part that I got, I, I really felt was that going into a mental institute. What did she call it? Mental institution at, at 12. 12. Oh my God. My heart just reached out to that little 12 year old self of hers. And then to have someone say, maybe just don't cry. Yeah. Maybe tonight, tonight you try not crying. Just don't do that. What's that. That's ugly. Let, let's just keep those tears inside. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> repress. Let's, just repress. Let's try and stop the symptoms. Yeah. Just maybe don't feel. Okay. That's what we're here to help you do. You know what the message was for me? The overriding message of that set was, you know, therapy. If you have a bad therapist or anything, do not be afraid to walk away. 
I mean, it's so yes. true, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, I think probably you and I know this from years of actually being in therapy, and I can look back and go, oh boy, like not all of those people. I'm not going to say they were bad therapists. They just didn't resonate with me or didn't wasn't what I needed to hear or whatever it was. It just didn't work. Well, some people don't have the capacity, but yet they've done the courses and they've got, they've ticked the boxes and they've charged the money and they've taken the patients, but they don't really. I mean, I know this personally, we're talking about professionals, aren't we? We're talking about medical professionals or therapeutic professionals. They're all kind of one of them same, aren't they? Yeah. And all of them, I mean, she touched on police and everything. And it's that idea that just because somebody is in a position of some sort of power over you, because there is a hierarchy when it comes to the therapeutic relationship, that you automatically should trust them and all their advice. And that's not the case. That's absolutely not the case. So trust yourself, listeners. If you get a bad vibe from a professional that you're working with in any capacity and you feel that inside of you, don't ignore it. Don't push it down. Well, and I think this is where... I would like to address the whole, it's not all or nothing, right? Like just because I had a bad experience with a counselor or a therapist doesn't mean they're all bad. Correct. Right? It's like, because I I hear people talk themselves out of something that would actually probably be very healthy for them because they had one bad experience, right? Or they met someone that rubbed them the wrong way in a, a support group and now it's all support groups are bad. Right. But it's like, no, it's just we're human beings. So you're going to bump up against human beings who are kind of shrouded in their doubts and their fears. And maybe they haven't fully embraced the true essence of who they are. So some of their stuff is coming out into it. Right. But it doesn't mean every one of those types of people is like that. Mm -hmm. So it's remembering again, not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. That is a wonderful point, Karina. Thank you so much for bringing that forward. (laughs) Check. Karina made a good point. (laughs) We holistically uh, enveloped that. Beautifully. Beautifully. Yeah. I actually, she talked about a lot of things. Like uh, she talked about non being non-monogamous, which I think is called polygamous. Holy shit, she didn't say that, did she? I think that's more than one marital partner. Are you sure? Because non-monogamy. Well, it's called polyamory, but polygamy, I think, (laughs) is the marriage part. Because I'm on board for that. If I could have multiple husbands, as you know, I did that in a a show. Does your husband listen to this podcast? (laughs) Let's hope not. (laughs) (laughs) I've always said he's my day one. Okay, the other people would just be there to supplement, like, <laughs> <laughs> but to supplement your sexual and emotional. No, no, needs. no, 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 no. Not the sexual part. I just want, you know, the the really wealthy one. Okay, then I want the kind of young one who's going to be, hey, whatever. I, okay, I, I'm going to be going out. And, don't you just want a gardener? A gar- yeah, just like a pool boy. Right. I don't have a pool, but... But you want to marry a pool boy. You want to have one on your marriage staff. Like the lawn <laughs> needs mowing. The This needs doing. Like, can you just go do you it, You can right? just hire an expert for that. <laughs> you can hire a professional. <laughs> okay, fine. But And then she talked about being non-committal. That's she, 
That spoke to my heart. Yeah, and she referred to herself as a bike, didn't she, at one point? Because she said... Yeah. Because she said that the non-inanimate objects were judging her or a something. A bicycle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, that's exactly. the thing that people get ridden a lot. Oh, <laughs> my God. See, I didn't, I didn't catch that part. But, um, yeah, the non-committal commitment. You know what? I... By the way, this is actually timely because I was when I was driving to your house today, I started thinking about how uh, my Enneagram number type, Google it if you want. So my Enneagram number type is type seven, which is the enthusiast. And in it, it says, uh, like, I'm not very great at commitment. But then I started, I turned it around because we can get into things. I'm not good at math. I'm not good at not blah, blah, blah. And I thought, you know what? No, I am. Com- I'm committed to ever evolve. I'm committed to awe and wonder. I'm committed to adventure. To joy? To joy. So yeah, maybe I don't want to commit to your three-hour movie because that's too long of a time commitment because I want variety in my (laughs) life. (laughs) Uh, I don't know where this is going. But But I'm just saying, listening to Michelle, she is committed to her growth. So when people say, oh, I'm non-committal, I was like, I would challenge that. Like, instead of making a, a negative out of it, is what I'm trying to say, turn it into a pot. Like, what are you committed to? Yeah, right. Maybe you're not committed to shitty relationships. Maybe you're not committed to uh, making plans. Why? Because you're committed to your freedom. Boom. Boom. That just happened. Back of the net, son. <sighs> Well, she talked about depression at age 12 and her depression having a lifespan so far of 24 years. That was pretty hardcore stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But having the open space to sort of talk about that, and she talked about it as this other being, you know, she kind of separated herself from it. If my depression was a person, it would be old enough to drive. Yeah. That kind of thing. And I thought that was a very clever way of presenting that subject and bringing light to it. Yeah. But there was something that she said at the beginning that I actually really liked to hear. And she said a thank you to you and the Hilarity group. I think you and Ellen. And she said, thank you for the space to be open and honest. Mm. And I think... Maybe you and I take that for granted because we have each other and we have Ellen and we have Siobhan and we have this group, right? Yeah. And I know if I show up with you guys, I don't have to be open and honest, but I know I can be. Yeah. And that you will give me the space to be open and honest. Not only that, you also give me the respect to be open and honest back. You're not going to coddle me and be like, oh, those people sound bad and we should definitely blame them and poor you. No. You're like, what's your part in this, right? You're going to, you're going to, you're going to give me that respect and honor enough to, to be open and honest back. And so I actually really liked that she, it was very subtle. It was just one line, but I thought it's something to call out because I don't, I believe that not everyone has that. It's true. And we want to live in a world where we're free to be open and honest, where if we're having a bad day, we can cry about it and somebody's not going to try to shut it down and tell us maybe don't cry right now. I mean, that's a common thing that people yeah. say to each other, isn't it? It's old school. Don't cry. Don't, don't cry. cry. Oh, oh, don't cry. Don't no, cry. no, no. Don't cry. Don't cry. Because it's like, if I see your suffering, then it's real. 
Yeah. But actually the crying is the piece that gives us a vent, gives the feelings vent. It allows it to dissipate. Yeah. Yeah. It allows it to pass. I think I have that with my family, you know, I think because at a young age, I did block my feelings off because my mum had very explosive emotional breakdowns or whatever you call them as a, as a child growing up. And my sister used to get very upset about it as well. And it was just the three of us. And so I pushed my feelings down because I always felt that my feelings would have more impact on them and make them worse, make them suffer more. So anytime, even as an adult, I do cry because now I'm much more open and I've done all my therapeutic work and my personal growth, my recovery. Whenever I cry, I see the fear on their face and they try to, and they take it as this, oh, something really bad's happening with Liz. Something really bad is happening. And it's not true. It's that piece for me is the part of me that I was never really allowing to show up in my experience with my family. So now they think of it as like this, are you okay? Like, are you having like, you're going to go mad. You need to go to the psych ward. Mm -hmm. And it's like, calm down. I feel better just from crying. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like a release, but I think, um, society has, uh, I'll say that I have accepted on different layers of societal thinking around crying. And it's just, uh, actually not even about the crying. I'm more, I'm even thinking deeper than that. Like the, the ability, capacity and comfort to be open and honest is the, I, I don't, I almost want to explore more into that because what Michelle did was she went on stage and she was completely open and honest about things that maybe in the past she wasn't like owning depression, owning bisexuality, owning non-monogamy, own like that's, those are pretty massive topics. Um, but what I loved about it is that there's, there's a freedom in it. When you go, I'm going to be me to thine own self be true. And it's one thing to say, I'm doing it in a space where people have allowed me to be open and honest and it's a nurturing space. It's another thing to go up on stage where you have no idea what the space is and to just go, I'm coming out as me, whatever you is. And I don't care. Like I don't, I'm, I'm good. No matter what these people think about me, no matter what these people feel about me, no matter what these people say about me, I'm owning it. Yeah. And I'm thinking also, I wonder how many times she's actually been able to explore this piece around how much kind of therapeutic trauma she experienced, you know, as being this young person. I mean, young people, because prepubescent, pubescent children, young people, all of those, that age group is such a difficult time in and of itself anyway, but to have some outward, you know, attention grabbing behaviors that cause the adults, you know, because we live in this structural reality that does not like it if we deviate from the norm. So anything that's expressed outside of what's normal behavior, considered normal, is then suddenly becomes pathologized. And we need to kind of separate this child and put her in a mental institution, which 
on its own is a secondary trauma. It's the shame and there's something wrong with me. I'm different. I'm bad. And then, you know, the, the expression from that sort of all of that, it was just really nice that she came and she said it and she was able to be heard. I heard it. I heard her say, this was not okay. I was treated like this. I went through this. It was not okay. And I think sometimes we can experience that stuff and never really talk about it or tell anyone. And so if anyone out there has also experienced any sort of medical trauma, therapeutic trauma, religious trauma, it's a real thing because of these constructs that we live in. And when we're not fitting into other people's ideas or a societal idea of how we should show up emotionally, spiritually, physically, all of those things, you know, we can get pushed into boxes that we don't fit into. So we see you out there, we hear you, and we love you. We love you, all your expansive spiritual self. Yeah. And one thing that helped me was to just go within Get a, get a little picture of yourself, you know, as a child and look at that child. And it's almost like a hand to heart. Like I've got you now. Yeah. It's okay to cry. I see you, you are loved. And it's like you take over as the adult. It's a beautiful experience. I've, I've walked through a number of those kinds of meditations or, um, you know, something with someone else where they guide me through. And it is really quite healing. Yeah. In a child work, you can, there's plenty mm. of different guided meditations you can get involved with on YouTube. So do check out that as a resource and yeah, keep going to seek out those healers and therapists and helpers because they do exist in the world. They absolutely do, but let's use our hearts to find them and yeah. our intuition and trust ourselves to align with the right person to help us on our healing journey because we're all on a healing journey. We all have to get to an expansive world peace meditative space. Meditative. Meditative. It's a tough one. It's like, Drop a beat. It's like Worcestershire. Meditative. Okay. On that note, I think we've come to the end of the episode. Absolutely. And we can't wait to speak with you or at you, I guess next episode with our big update. Yeah. All right. Lots of love, everybody. We love you. We love you. We love you. Dear listeners, we are a two-woman shop here, and this is a little labor of love. So anything you can do to show us some love, our love language is subscribing, sharing on social media, and coming to one of our many shows. And if you're feeling really adventurous, take a course. Don't be afraid of a good time. We love you. We love you. We love you. We're out.